0: Hi everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Today is episode number 134 and we're breathing a little bit of walnut dust here today uh, with projects going on uh, featuring our favorite domestic Midwest hardwood. We'll also talk about uh, lumber selection and choosing some favorite tools for working with flat panels. Want to give a shout-out to Shaper Tools for sponsoring today's episode. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. You can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit
1: shapertools.com to learn more.
0: Welcome everybody.
1: Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. I feel Logan like we're all. The... I was just gonna say. I feel like we're all on camera, and we're gonna like we're sitting here trying to get goose out of our teeth, right? Like
2: I'm trying to eat more goose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Logan uh, smoked some goose for us today. So goose pastrami is that what mm-hmm. it is? Yep. So it's good, and it's delicious. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And they're a nuisance bird, so you gotta get rid of right. them somehow.
1: Right. Send them back to Canada.
2: Well, yeah. They kick them down every year. It's this constant thing. They come south, then we send them north. They come south, we send them north.
0: All right. So for today's episode, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is uh, part of it's related to the fact that I have recently completed my dining room table project for my sister, which I'm really happy with. And she wants me to also make her a sideboard to go with it, which also makes sense. Uh, So, because I need more to do in my life, uh, Logan roped me into doing the sideboard article as a popular woodworking article. So,
2: Yep. That's right. It's
0: kind of like playing... Like your major league season, one place, and then off season you go play somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. you
2: know what I call it killing two birds with one stone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it was terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was bad. So, I have the table's made out of walnut, and the sideboard's going to be walnut, both in a mid century style. I'll put a photo of the table. On the show notes page, so you can see what it looks like. Or if you've been following along on our Facebook shop updates, uh, I've been featuring it there too. So you'll see the completed one on the uh, on the update for this week. So, but in building this, all the lumber came from one of our local sawyers. In fact, our favorite local sawyer, Chunk of Trunk, Logan Whitmer, Chunk of Trunk. (laughs) And so I was using rough sawn boards for this whole project, which is a different way of woodworking than going to a lumberyard or home center and picking out boards. And And I would say that neither is better than the other. They're just different different things. And, you know, we were talking about this the other day, and uh, I guess I would compare it to, like, going to the grocery store and buying a whole chicken is like working with rough boards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, home center lumber is more like getting the specific pieces you want, you know, that it's... You know, your boneless, skinless breasts or thighs or whatever. And, well, and, and it's MDF very much is a, nuggets.
2: Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's very much the same way where you're, you buy the whole chicken, you get a lower price. But you know there's going to be some waste. Same thing with rough on lumber. It's like you start with rough on boards, you're paying a significantly cheaper price. You know, you figure probably let's call it, you know, for walnut between... Four and six fifty per board foot usually lately it's been more towards that six six fifty per board foot where you go buy right. a service board you're gonna pay nine, ten, twelve, fourteen dollars a board foot so right you know, and I think you have more control
0: mm-hmm. you do and I think that there's just greater opportunity to work around defects more mm-hmm. or. I mean, because like you said, there's going to be waste because it depends on are you going to keep the sap wood and incorporate yeah. it into the project yeah. or what about knots and things like that, you sure. know, and a lot of those things, like I can, I've kept a lot of those off cuts of pieces because, you know, especially on a sideboard kind of project, there are cleats and runners and things like that where there are smaller pieces that I can... Use some of those, some
1: of those offcuts for. Mm-hmm. I think the best part about working with the rough lumber is you get uh, a couple of barrels of sawdust at the end that you wouldn't <laughs> get otherwise, you know, which is nice.
0: That is true because we in the <clears throat> video studio here we did have a largely walnut-based dust collection bag. Mm-hmm. And then I know that I've seen Steve and Mark empty out the
1: the barrel in the shop. Yeah. And yeah, for, for the most, once, it's not me. Right. right. You're just the dealer here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I've been doing the same thing. We were uh, building a steamer trunk out of white oak this week for the for the first episode of season 17 of the Woodsmith Shop, and we got the wood from logan so i've been filling up the shop dust collector with white oak chips or whatever but yeah like you said it's very much like being a wood butcher you're you get a lot of uh you're a lot more uh flexibility as far as when you're cutting it up you're you know taking all the bones and the gristle and like this is going to be the roast and oh i can make some bacon out of this yep. and here's the steaks right. and uh-huh. so it's it's kind of fun seeing you know all that come together from from rough, rough lumber. So
2: well, and I—it's I, funny because I feel like so this the white oak that we're using for the steamer trunk came from a dell here in town um, or west of town. I was unloading it out of my not truck. the singer, not the singer, not, not the town. Sorry, yes, right, right. <laughs> not yes. Uh, but I was unloading it out of my truck, and with with roughs on boards that have been air dried they get that gray look to them like they always mm-hmm. do and people are people in the know are like yeah whatever that's just air dried lumber that's what it is but i get people come out they're like oh these look really rough it's like well yeah it's rough sun lumber here let me show you what it looks like if i take a hand plane to it and take a 30 second not even a you know a 64th of an inch off mm-hmm. um and then they're like oh okay uh but it was interesting as i'm unloading this load Um, Because this load came from the kiln and I had to get it in two truck bed fulls because it was there was too much for one pickup load. Um, And I was kind of setting boards off to the side. I was kind of picking the choice ones for this project because I knew we want a good quarter sawn, really bright ray flex if we could get them. You know, that that highly figured kind of craftsman style look. Um, And you can't see that on the face. I mean, maybe a little bit you can. You kind of get that shimmer of rays. But as I'm pulling the boards out, I'm looking at the end grain and you can tell exactly which boards are course on, Or you can say, okay, I can see this board has the pith in the very center, but it's perfectly quarter on, on the outsides. So it's right. like you start looking at it with a project in mind and you're like, Oh yeah. For this steamer trunk, we only need our widest pieces, like two and a quarter inches, you know? I mean, we had some mm-hmm. panels that are a little bit bigger, but like two and a quarter inches is all we needed. So it's like, Oh, crack down the center perfect material on both sides so you know it's just a different way to look at it which is is fun to me
0: and i'm sure we're guilty of it in the in our various magazines here but one thing that's interesting is you get the idea a lot of times in reading about projects that um and maybe there are folk who can do this that there are these perfect ideal boards that When you glue them together like the color is a perfect match and the grain just flows together seamlessly and you know there's no knots and you know swirls or you know buried crotches or something like that and that's definitely not the case and even if you have a bunch of boards to work with you still have Uh, juggling competing goals, you know, like I need boards that I need a panel that's going to be 18 inches wide. Well, if that's going to happen, I either need to do the top out of three boards, the sides out of two boards, maybe.
2: Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, there are those perfect logs, but those are sliced into 45th of an inch veneers, you know, Right, like those aren't the logs that we turn into lumber. The logs we turn into lumber are the ones that are not perfect. It's how FAS yeah. works. I mean, the FAS grading system says you have to be able to get a six-inch wide board that's forty-two inches long, and then if you can do that out of a board, then it is the highest grade board available. It's a number one,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: or first and seconds, you know. So
1: yeah, there's there's definitely strategy as you're um, going through the lumber to build projects as far as picking out the best stuff for the top or mm-hmm. the, the face or, or the doors and then kind of hiding the lower grade stuff on the back or underneath or drawer backs or, mm-hmm. yeah, or that kind oh, of yeah. thing. So there's a lot of thinking involved as you're progressing yeah, through a project.
2: And I, I think it gives you the opportunity to, to, uh, highlight some of those features if you want, you know, Phil, you're talking about doing something with the drawers, you know, FAS standards say we can not sapwood and walnut is not a defect. However, most people don't want sapwood. Most people would cut it out, but you're looking at me right. including sapwood in the drawers and where they meet up to where it would be kind of a design feature, you know,
0: which is cool. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, the fun of working with this, uh, rough cut boards as being able to kind of discover some of those things or allowing the wood to be a natural material and not looking for perfect uniformity, you know, um, and, and, and working with it. So like this sideboard is going to have two sliding doors. So the, you know, the length of it's going to be roughly divided into thirds. The middle section will have shelves and open. And then on the outer sides will be a bank of four drawers each, and those will be concealed by sliding doors. Well, and I thought it would be cool as if you know you slide the door over to get to the drawers. Now instead of just you know another expanse of you know just walnut like the rest of the case, what if I used some of these pieces that had sapwood? So I there's going to be two four-inch drawers and two six-inch drawers, and you know, what if one edge of each of the drawers is sapwood? You know, then you get kind of a, an ombre look to it that I think can be kind of a fun surprise when you open it up, and it, it turns it into something that's not... You're not going to find that in most places. Yeah. You know, but then in working with the, the defects of the piece, like the, the case bottom of this has some knots in it, that are in various stages of acceptability. But only the middle third of this panel is going to be visible at all because the rest is going to be, you know, the outer sections are going to be, you know, covered by drawers. So you'll never see that. So there can be all kinds of knots and what whatnot in there. And I don't have to worry about it. And then even so with open shelves in the center section When you're looking at the piece from eye level or whatever, you're only ever going to see into the case a few inches, and who knows what's going to be put in there anyway. So really only all I need is the middle third and probably the first six inches or so that needs to be perfectly clear, if that's what I'm looking for, or free of knots or, you know, really gross defects or something like Mm -hmm. that. But. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was just—it's just been a fun way of doing things. I mean, there is definitely more uh, preparatory work, clearly, oh, yeah. than working with prepared boards. But that's yeah, part of the trade-off.
2: I guess, I guess, in my opinion, I feel more confident in my boards if I prepare them. You know what okay. I mean? Like if I go to if I go to let's just say Menards, okay? I don't I don't buy lumber at Menards, but if I go to Menards, if I go to the Woodsman store, I go to Liberty. I don't trust that those boards I'm getting are going to be flat, square, and true, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going through a lot of the same steps. No matter what, it is a few more to you know take that extra eighth of an inch off of the thickness at, at the planer, or to break apart that board into sections, or you know, most of the time, I, what you've been doing and what I have been doing um Is you go to the bandsaw, or I've seen John doing that with the oak. It's like you go to the bandsaw, um, and that breaks part pieces really quickly. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's that much work to to do it, and for the cost savings, you know, the cost savings right. is huge. So it's yeah. like you're going to pay double for prepared boards versus rough sawn. So
0: yeah. So anyway, it was just kind of fun to, to do and, you know, exploring, you know, these one of the larger projects that I've done in a while. And then having this many glued up panels that I've had to work with. So it's trying to deal with gluing up flat panels, scraping glue, all that kind of stuff. And I've been really loving my cabinet scraper plane that I made for being able to clean up mill marks and level joints and not have to worry about all crazy grain direction changes in within the boards or the panels. So that I can concentrate on gluing up a panel that looks good to me rather than trying to make sure the grain is all going in the same direction if I want to try and hand plane it. Mm-hmm. Special shout out to Shaper Tools. They make that Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC that lets you do all kinds of cool stuff with your woodworking whether it's joinery and construction or hardware installation or inlay and marquetry all that kind of stuff you could check out their site shapertools.com to learn more so what did you have john in you know you spent quite some time working on the pieces for that steamer trunk mm-hmm. did you any anything stand out to you during that process
1: um yeah. I don't know. It's um, kind of what Logan's alluded to. It's it's nice to know or to start with the thicker boards, like what he said, going to Menards, you buy a three quarter inch board and you don't know if it's flat or straight or, or any of that stuff. So you oftentimes you end up trying to join it down and you just don't have the meat there to, to get what you need out of it. So it's kind of nice starting with the thicker roughs on stuff and, flattening it yourself and, and kind of picking out the parts that way, I guess. So it's a little bit more work, but get what you want at the end, I guess. Yeah. So, but I don't know, uh, going back to what you were saying about including, uh, knots and sapwood, there's always some strategy in that too, because it's, it's like, you don't want to make it look like, You were trying to go homogenous heartwood and then all of a sudden there's a piece of sapwood and and it makes it look (laughs) like it's a mistake or you just didn't care or whatever so you got to kind of highlight those those natural wood features and make it look like it was intentional so but
0: no that's true that's definitely the case because on the tabletop that i did the center seam there's just the little remnants of sapwood so there's just like this Slight oval shape in the middle mm-hmm. where the
1: walnut is a lighter color, and so kind of fe- it features that sapwood rather than trying to like push yeah. it out to the edge. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they yeah. were trying to get rid of the sapwood and they just failed. And right, but... yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what? It's, so it's funny. Nice I was talking, kinda...
2: I was talking to Phil about this earlier this week. I think you, I don't think you were in there, John. Um, I just spent the last week uh, or last weekend down with Doug Stowe down in uh, Arkansas. Doug's he's written dozens of books, teaches at Mark Adams. Um, Doug really became known for his, uh, boxes. He's kind of like the box guy. Hmm. And it was, it was funny cause Phil and I were talking like some of his boxes, when you see them in photos, they look a little, a little chonky. Like some of them, it's like, ah, oh, it could have been a little thinner or seeing him in person. They're so nice. Like they are very nice. And it's like, okay, how nice can a box be? I mean, they're done well. Um, But one thing I I told Doug this when I was down there when we were in his shop, I said, uh, one thing he does very well is he doesn't necessarily try to hide anything as far as a color or a a defect goes, you know, like he's not using stuff that has big knots in it, but like um, sapwood, yeah, absolutely. But what Doug has been doing is he'll pull that color of the sapwood into a different aspect of the, of the box or the table or whatever it is. So, you know, if it's walnut and it has a light streak of sapwood, he may end up making the poles out of a maple or something that ties into that sapwood color. Um, Mm -hmm. So I found it very interesting um, being done there with him because he had several boxes made out of um, spalted quarter sawn sycamore, and it had some really dark streaks in it. But then he did the base and the top out of every box in walnut, because it tied that color mm. right together. Um, that's like, oh, this is like, it just, it shows a lot of thoughtfulness. I guess if you're, if you think about it and you're, you're, um, uh, deliberate about it, uh, you know, it's not a defect then.
0: Yeah. So. Another thing for having, you know, cause it's this, this table project, both of these projects are big and not as friendly to do in my home workshop. So I've been working on them here. So I've been doing a lot of stuff going back and forth from the main production shop to in the studio here, depending on what the setup is or the tooling or whatever. And uh, I've found myself doing, developing different work habits than I do at home. And like, I know Logan, you're an apron guy. Mm-hmm. and have a very well-appointed apron filled mm-hmm. with all kinds of stuff. Yep. And when I'm working at home, I don't. I My apron is mostly just to keep the chips and stuff yep. off of me, and I don't usually carry anything in my apron. But I've noticed, uh, and it kind of happened by accident, that all of a sudden I have in my apron here developed, like I have a – pencil pocket on the left side I got my 6 inch ruler in there a sharpie and a mechanical pencil Bingo. and then the two front, two front lower pockets I have, they're like my finishing pockets I guess Okay. because one has a uh, tack cloth in it and a little baggie and then the other side has an array of fine grit sandpaper you know for buzzing down dust nibs in between coats of, coats of yeah. sandpaper so that was just kind of a curious thing where it was just, and I, like I said, it just kind of happened naturally. And then I just noticed that I had done that. And
2: it's what we call the EDC. It's your everyday carry. <laughs> <laughs> I, is that what the kids are saying these days? I don't know.
0: I there don't you go. Know.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. I've heard some, <laughs> okay. I've heard some kids okay. saying that on, on, the, <laughs> okay. on the playground,
1: out on the <laughs> streets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, so I started with my apron. My wife got me a Calavera one for Christmas a number of years ago, and I really liked it. Um, I didn't; it would ride down on me a little bit as I was wearing it. I like to sit higher um, and stuff, and it doesn't have a ton of pockets, but it's got like you know, I keep my I have a Polini rule I keep in there, kind of like you, like six inch rule, pencil, maybe a sharpie, and some chalk. So I know where that's at all the time. Now this new one I have is one by leather by Dragonfly. Um, it's a it's a super nice. God, it's so nice. It's they're they're an investment. They're not one you're just gonna on a whim go buy. They're an investment. Um, you know, I think they're five hundred bucks starting, um, but they custom make it to you. So oh, it fits like a tailored suit. I've never owned a tailored suit, but I can only assume that this is how a tailored suit fits. <laughs> and like. Everything has a place on it. It's like, it's like you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. So I don't know how many, like, I'm sure you guys have noticed all these Pittsburgh uh, tape measures floating around the shop from Harbor Freight. Almost guaranteed. Okay. Every yep. single one of those has came from my shop. Almost guaranteed. I would just carry them in and set them down. This thing has a, like, if there's, if there's only one thing I'm ever going to have on an apron again, it's the tape measure clip. Okay. On it's on my lower right hand side. I know where my tape measure's at. I don't even take it off the clip to use it. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the apron itself holds a bunch of tools, um, and they're tools that I use most of the time. Um, but that having just having some, something as stupid simple as having the tape measure on my apron, I know where it's at all the time, and I don't take it off. Um, yeah, I love my apron. If you guys can't tell, mm-hmm. just. <laughs> Just wait till my shop at home's done. I'll be woodworking in just my apron, apron Mm -hmm. and shorts. That's it. Okay. Yep.
1: We don't want to see photos. Picture that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You guys are welcome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of tape measures and walking off, I found that I have one tape measure that I keep at my table saw. I just took the clip off of it, and it seems to like stay in one spot now I don't just <laughs> kind of like naturally clip it onto my pocket or clip it and walk away. It just doesn't go anywhere. So that's my shop tip of the day. If you want your tape measure to stay, just take the clip off.
0: See, and part of me for part of the reason that I ended up using and making an apron a part of my woodworking practice is for those very same reasons, because I would end up going home or coming back into the house from being out in the shop. And it's like, normally I get in the house and I you know, put my keys in the drawer and take my wallet out and whatever. And then I realized that it was like, there's my keys. Oh, there's my six inch ruler and the white pencil for marking Walnut. And in my back pocket is my tape measure. And there's a small handful of screws in my, one of my other pockets and hmm like apron Painful is nice of sawdust yeah apron is nice because it it keeps all the shop stuff and then when i take it off nothing is migrating in with me
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right so we have almost one episode done of the tv show for season 17 which feels like the old story of the round river that just never ends it just goes in a circle and Cause I know there's a lot of people that haven't even started seeing season 16 and here we are on season 17 already. So yeah. kind of fun to it's be jumping back into that again. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we have on the schedule to have four episodes done by the end of this year, by yeah. December. So that's the, that's the stars we're shooting for anyways. Yep that's what the think, the track I think becky we shoot has a song
2: every year don't we and then it's like oh
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have this magazine thing yeah. we have to get done to so that right. was bump stuff
0: oh. right yeah well then Those you get a couple of vacations too, so. or illnesses or something like that and then that yeah. can throw things out of whack yeah.
1: but yeah yeah it's tough uh, this time of year because we have thanksgiving that takes us you know out of the routine and then christmas and so it's like get as much done as we can to to be ahead for january yep and we're closing in
0: on the relaunch first relaunch issue of shop notes that's been kind of fun to see those projects starting to come through now and we have a lot of uh i think we have a lot of really cool things in this issue and i'm excited to see it go out the door and see people's reactions to it. So, Which,
2: people should be able to start subscribing to that soon. We've been working on getting the subscription page up, so I know I've had people ask about it. It's like, well, just wait, hold on, hold on. It
0: it turns out creating the content for the magazine might actually be the easiest part of it. (laughs) And... Other than the fact that that's ongoing, whereas getting this, all the back end systems up and running, especially for a digital publication, even for a print publication, is, would be largely the same, is kind of a whole, whole nother animal. And thankfully, we have people that can take care of it and not us, because otherwise it would never get done. All right. There you go. That wraps up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I want to hear about them. You can send me an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. The podcast is also available on our YouTube channel, the Woodsmith YouTube channel. And you can leave comments and questions and discussion topics there as well. Special thanks to Shaper Tools, maker of the origin, that uh, kind of funky handheld CNC that does all kinds of stuff whether it's cabinetry or hardware installation inlay joinery uh, all that and more they have a special offer right now you can have it in your shop risk-free for 30 days just check it out at shapertools.com we'll see you next week everybody bye